What up, world? And welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Blazers. I am your pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. The Blazers' improbable journey marches forward into the Western Conference Finals after an epic Game 7, an epic series win over the Denver Nuggets Sunday night at the Pepsi Center. They said you could hear the Blazers celebrating through the walls. Now, I wasn't in the Pepsi Center, but I've been there before. The media room that isn't always a media room, but it is for the playoffs, shares a wall with the visiting locker room. And when the Blazers beat the Denver Nuggets on Sunday, multiple reporters said you could hear them cheering, shouting, and enjoying a win through the walls, reverberating. Blazers had plenty of reasons to celebrate. A 196 victory that's, it puts this already improbable season, this unlikely journey that they've been on, puts them in the Western Conference Finals against the team of the generation. Obviously, that's what we're going to talk about. Game 7 and what looms ahead for the Blazers. But let's start with what happened Sunday. Because a whole bunch of stuff happened. Sincerely, I don't think I can capture all the things that happened in this podcast. I will do my best. The first thing that happened was the Blazers damn near blew it. Down 12 at the end of the first quarter. Down by as many as 17 in the first half. This looked like it might be over. It might. It kind of had the feeling of that game five in Denver where the Blazers just didn't play well on defense. And, I, and again, we saw that early on. The, the, the defense was struggling. And more importantly, they just couldn't score. They could not buy a basket. The Blazers were 0 for 9 from 3 in that first quarter. That would be the beginning of a 1 for 19 start from 3. They never really got untracked from deep, but it didn't end up mattering. But down 17, the Blazers just whittled it away. And they whittled it away without help from Damian Lillard. More on that in a bit. But CJ McCollum had a big first quarter en route to a very big night. And the Blazers found themselves only down nine at halftime. And all things considered, they were one of 14 from three heading into the break. Like I said, started one for 19 from there. They were shooting 30% from the field. CJ McCollum was the only player in double figures. Al Farouk Aminu and Maurice Harkless played the first seven minutes of the game and looked completely lost. Ennis Cantor was just missing mid-rangers that he couldn't get free on. He was... He got blocked underneath the rim. He couldn't get going. Rodney Hood, who'd been the hero of this series, was one for five at that point. Damian Lillard was in one for nine entering halftime. And yet they were down nine. From 17 to nine, you had to feel good. This was a game where they hadn't played well, and it was it, it, but it certainly felt like a positive. But then, in a way that you know, maybe is fitting for this Blazers season. And what I want to do in this first segment is just take you through the moments that matter. Then we'll get into a little more of the the sort of 
feeling and the and the humans behind this game seven win. But the first moment, with five minutes and thirty five seconds left in the third quarter, the Blazers had cut the lead to three. They were charging back. They kind of looked like they were going to take control of this game. Then Rodney Hood got caught with a back screen up above the three-point line, fell to the ground grabbing his knee. The Nuggets got inside, and Zach Collins fouled Gary Harris on a layup and won. A three-point lead goes to six, and the Blazers lose their best scoring wing for the rest of the night. Hood would limp to the locker room with help from the Blazers' medical staff with their hyperextended knee. He was listed as questionable, but didn't return. So what the hell do you do when the guy who saved your bacon and won the series? You put in Evan Turner. More on him later, too. So down a man, now relying on a backup backup wing who hasn't really done much. In fact, his best game of the series, he refused to shoot. What did the Blazers do? Well, they keep grinding away. That six-point lead swells up to seven. Blazers cut it to five. Back up to seven. Down to four. Down to three. And with 12.1 seconds left in the third quarter, CJ McCollum, more on him later too. A lot more. Knifes into the paint. Gets to the right side of the rim. Makes a layup. 71-70. Blazers' first lead of the game with 12 seconds left in the third. From down 17 to up one. Didn't last. Nuggets took a one-point lead heading into the third quarter. And so then, fittingly, this team, these two teams, I should say, come down to the fourth quarter within a point of each other. The series has been as even as it could possibly be, and it would be decided in the final 12 minutes. Three players played the whole fourth quarter. CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, And Evan Turner. Just like you thought, right? Let's get back to the moments. With 8 minutes and 51 seconds left in the fourth quarter, Damian Lillard steps into his first three-pointer of the game. He was 1 for 12 entering the fourth quarter from the field. 1 for 12. And here are the Blazers hanging in this game while Damian Lillard cannot buy a basket. Nine minutes left in the game, 8.51 to be exact since we're doing specifics. Cash. Blazers up 5.81.76. But the game hangs in the balance. Over the next four minutes, the teams kind of can't get separation from each other. And it looks like perhaps the Nuggets are going to get all the way back. With four minutes and 44 seconds left, Dame drives into the paint. Tries to get a layup in between Jokic and Paul Millsap. I'll let Mike Breen take it from here. Lillard goes right at Jokic. Layup blocked by Jokic and the rebound. Throws it ahead. Murray. Murray down the court. Shot blocked. Oh, McCollum with a block. CJ McCollum chased down the fast break. He wasn't the only one, though. Jokic blocked the shot. Kept his feet in bounds on the far baseline. Whipped an outlet pass ahead to Jamal Murray. Streaking ahead to cut the Blazers' lead to two. Seth Curry was there too. He chased Murray down all the way and kind of undercut him, making Murray slow and uh, slow down a little bit and bring the ball high. He brought the ball high, put up a layup, and CJ McCollum pinned it off the glass. 
He didn't really pin it. He smacked it off the glass. And here was the moment I think that uh, you kind of saw the difference in these two teams. Nuggets down four. Clock ticking under four minutes and 40 seconds. Ball skips over the corner and Torrey Craig gets, gets the loose ball rebound and kind of quickly hustles up a three. Airballs it. Blazers look like they're going to be cut it to two. Instead, they're still in control. Going the other way. That brings us to our next moment. Blazers still clinging to that four-point lead a minute later. When Evan Turner misses a jumper inside. Again, Turner played that whole fourth quarter. And Jokic tries to throw an outlet pass quickly to Jamal Murray. But Damian Lillard steps in the way. Drives to the rim. Can't find anyone. Throws a looping pass out to Evan Turner. And then sprints to the far left corner. Evan Turner doesn't hesitate. Does what he does. Fires a chest pass to Lillard. Who hits his second three of the game to put the Blazers up seven. With three, three minutes and 23 seconds left. This one felt like a dagger. Dame did not play well. He hit two. He hit, This was a monstrous shot. I was going to say it's one of the biggest shots of the game. Those come later. But the Nuggets, because they're pretty even with the Blazers, wouldn't die. And with just under two minutes left, a minute 42, Nikola Jokic got inside, right to the rim, flipped in a little four-footer to cut the Blazers' lead 94-93. And that was when C.J. McCollum, who was the absolute star of this game, hit the first of what would be his two signature shots. Minute 25 left. McCollum gets Gary Harris on him. Gets to the right elbow. Pull up. Cash. Blazers up three. A minute later, the Blazers still up three. Jamal Murray, who struggled all night, got most of his points by getting some freebies at the foul line. Hit a pull-up. Just a you know a half step inside for the foul line. Back to a one-point game. Blazers get the ball. No two for one. They're going to decide it here. And the Nuggets are definitely going to get a shot back. Or the ball back. And again, I'll let Mike Breen tell you what happened next. Craig isolated on McCollum. Eight to shoot. McCollum to drive. Pushback jumper. It's good. CJ McCollum with 37. And it's back to three. An absolutely ice in his veins level pull up on Torrey Craig. CJ McCollum apparently told Terry Stotts in the huddle, just flatten it out. I'll go get us a bucket. So that's what they did. They put four guys along the baseline. And let C.J. McCollum, who had been absolutely masterful, roast his man one-on-one. Now, Torrey Craig played okay defense. C.J. McCollum would later respond to a tweet on Twitter saying, Good defense, my ass. Well, I think it was pretty good defense, C.J. It's just a great shot. C.J. got to the spot he wanted, got to a spot where he had killed the Nuggets throughout the game and and you know, just a minute earlier. He got right where he wanted to go. He gave Craig a little bit of a nudge, pulled up, cash. A After the chase down block, after that shot he had with 90 seconds left, then he does this. It's an iconic performance from CJ McCollum. 
And yet, the Nuggets are only down three. 12 seconds left. They get the ball in bounds to Nikola Jokic, and he gets immediately fouled. Splits a pair of free throws. Instead of a one-point game, it's two. And the Blazers just need to make two of the free throw line. And fittingly, Evan Turner is the one who gets fouled. He goes to the line with eight seconds left. Hits two free throws. In the fourth quarter alone, Evan Turner was six for seven at the free throw line. Free throws five and six iced the game and sent the Blazers into the Western Conference Finals. This was as special a game as there's been in Rip City, for lack of a better term, in two decades. This was the biggest, regardless of what happened, this was the biggest game they've played in 20 years, 19 years. But to do it like this, it's pretty special. So I've talked a lot about the nuts and bolts of what happened. I wanted to take you back there, let you relive it for a second. Second segment, I want to talk about who did it and how. So how the hell did the Blazers win a crucial Game 7 when Damian Lillard was 3-for-17 from the floor, finished with 13 points in 45 minutes, one of his worst shooting performances of the season? How did the Blazers win when their starting wings were nearly unplayable? How did the Blazers win when their their third best scorer all series long got hurt with six minutes left in the third quarter? They won because C.J. McCollum was fantastic. 37 points, 9 boards, 17 of 29 from the floor. He only made one of of three threes. But he got to his spots, and he just... This was just the shot making C.J. at his absolute, absolute best. He was fantastic. And the Blazers did this because... Zach Collins had another one of his fearless-type performances. He finished with seven points, five rebounds, four blocks, but he was bigger than that. I thought the only mistake he made was early in the third quarter, he picked up a stupid foul 90 feet from the rim. And the Blazers won this game because Terry Stotts coached pretty well. After Aminu and Harkless were not good in that first half, he dumped them in the second half. Started Collins and Hood. Went out with his five, his best five-man lineup. The biggest half of the season. I thought that was a big and important change. And as he did in game six, he kind of coached on feel. Cantor wasn't great offensively. Six of 13, 12 points. But his just size, sheer size was enough to slow down Nikola Jokic a little bit. Zach Collins, who guarded Jokic on his own a little bit too, did enough to make things tough on Paul Millsap, who finished 3 of 13 for 10 points. And Terry Stotts went back to Mo Harkless after Rodney Hood got hurt. And he played Harkless and he played Turner together, interchangeably using those guys at 3 and 4. That was huge down the stretch. And Harkless's defense on Jamal Murray, while it wasn't all world and Harkless did pick up two stupid fouls kind of slapping at the ball late in the game thought one of them was a pretty clean steal the other one was just a stupid reach in Harkless 
had some had some nice moments, and his defense was valuable. Jamal Murray was four of eighteen in this closeout game. He torched the Blazers earlier in the series, and he couldn't get it going. And Terry did it by trusting Myers Leonard, who gave the Blazers seven minutes and three fouls, but he was really positive in those seven minutes. While he was on the court, the Blazers outscored the Nuggets by nine. Maybe didn't always feel like it, but Leonard played well, and trusting him was valuable. Seth Curry didn't do much, and so Stotts didn't stick with him. He went with Turner, and he went with Harkless. He leaned on his two guards, and he called plays for C.J. McCollum down the stretch to win this game. And that's maybe the best sign of where this team is at. So I started this podcast talking about them celebrating and why I think that's an important image is because when teams get really good, they, the joy is muted by expectations. It's hard to appreciate reaching the Western Conference Finals when you were supposed to reach the Western Conference Finals. When your goal is a championship You can't appreciate gutting out a win like this as much. Now, you'll still celebrate it. But you're not going to be popping champagne. You're not going to be bringing the owner into the locker room. Jody Allen spoke to the team after the game. You're not going to be hugging out on the court and cheering back in the locker room and doing all those celebration things. When the expectations mute, the joy. The Blazers are beyond. They've defied every expectation this season. Sunday was no different. So they got to lean into the joy. There's a great camera shot that ESPN had of Damian Lillard leaving and heading into the locker room. And he's kind of covering up his face. He's smiling so big. And he's kind of covering up his face, I think, because it's almost like he's just he's a keeping it all in. He's, he knows this moment is so good and he's, he, he's, there's so much joy from a guy who told me in February that he thought that the sweep to the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans was a good thing because teams got to go through shit before they can get out the, to the other side. Now, at the time, I kind of waved it off as, as who Dame is, the type of strange bravado and and unwavering confidence that makes him so good. But now, when we get here in May, and the Blazers are still playing, you kind of trust him. And you trust him to get out of the way when he is when he doesn't have it going. Sometimes leadership looks like just letting CJ cook. Sometimes leadership means you get both your three-pointers on kind of broken plays. And leadership means when Evan Turner is having the most joyless season of his career, you let him dribble the ball up the floor and do what he does. You don't stick him in the corner and say, be a negative spacer. You let Evan Turner play to his strengths. Post up little guys, take Paul Millsap off the dribble, and have a game-changing fourth quarter. Evan Turner scored nearly as many points in the final 12 minutes of this game as he had in the entire playoffs. He had 11 coming in, 
He had 10 in the fourth to go with four rebounds, two assists, and a block. Like I mentioned before, he hit six of seven from the free throw line. He was clutch. And part of Damian Lillard's leadership is a guy like Evan Turner could be lost for the season. He's got a reduced role. He's making all this money. He gets banged on by the fan base. You bring in Rodney Hood. You start Jake Lehman over him for part of the season. His minutes dwindle. He loses playing time. Quite frankly, he likely lost some confidence in sort of whether the team wanted him in. But him and Dame have an incredibly strong relationship. And it's those kind of little things that have made this season special for me. Just viewing it from the outside is that all the kind of like BS culture stuff I think really showed up in these playoffs. The things you think about Russell Westbrook kind of came glaring through in round one. And the things you think about Damian Lillard, you think about this Blazer team, they carried this team through round two. And now, somehow, some way. They're going to play the Western Conference Finals on Tuesday. Which brings me to my last moment. The Blazers left Saturday afternoon to fly to Denver. And the directions to the team personnel and the players was to pack for a week. That's right. They needed to pack for an afternoon game, a twelve, a one thirty local tip-off in Denver. Then they needed to t- pack for a day off on Monday in Oakland. Well, a physical day off. I'm sure they'll do plenty of film stuff. And then Tuesday game one and a Thursday game three. Bring a couple suitcases. This flight isn't going to return for a few more days. At least that's what they hoped. Now they made it happen. Those full suitcases, which would have been a sad thing to lug home, could be a point of pride when you're getting back on that flight. Flying to Oakland, not Portland. So that's what I want to talk about in the third segment. Really quickly, what's ahead for these Blazers? All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. The Golden State Warriors are as weak as they have been since 2015. They are in the worst shape they've been in since this, since the first year they won the title, when they won 67 games and uh, Kyrie Irving got hurt and Kevin Love got hurt and they beat LeBron and Matthew Delvedova. And Tristan Thompson, shout out to my boy TT. Sorry to leave you out. We're not really boys. But since then, the Warriors haven't been this weak. Won 73 games. Won back-to-back championships. Swept the Blazers out of a playoff series. Beat them in five and another. But now with Kevin Durant dealing with a calf strain that's going to keep him out of at least games one and two of the Western Conference Finals and perhaps more, we don't know. He'll be reevaluated at the end of the week. With Steph Curry dealing with a dislocated index finger, or maybe a middle finger, excuse me, on his offhand. And a bench that just isn't what it once was. They've lost some of that depth. 
This is as weak as they've been in five years. And yet, they've got four Hall of Famers in their starting lineup. Yeah, that's right. I think Draymond and Andre Iguodala and Clay Thompson will all end up in the Hall of Fame along with Steph Curry. I don't even think that's that much of a hot take. I think it's probably true. But that's what a weak Warriors team looks like. Looks like three All-Stars and one of the best defenders of the last 10 years. And it looks like a team that just took down Houston on the road in Game 6 to reach the Western Conference Finals. And that game, you kind of saw what a previous iteration of the Warriors looks like. Klay Thompson was fantastic, and he finally had to dribble, something he doesn't really do when Kevin Durant's around. Draymond Green was his do-everything self in that game six, and Steph Curry had a 33 points, a absolutely magnificent second half. On the deciding play of the game, Steph Curry lobbed a, a pass to Draymond Green. He took two dribbles and whipped a pass to Andre Iguodala, who quickly made the extra pass to Klay Thompson, who hit a three and put the Warriors up six. The core four, who've been together since 2013, won the series. This team's still really, really good, even if they're the weakest they've been. This is a championship-caliber team. And the Blazers, in the playoffs, or in the Western Conference Finals for the first time, since before Anthony Simon's first birthday. They've got a tough task ahead of them. And I'll talk about this more in future podcasts, but I think in the way that Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless were more valuable in round two, or in round one, and not very useful in round two, I think they could come back and be useful again. I think Zach Collins is going to be a much more useful big man than Ennis Cantor in this series. And I also think this is the the opponent that Damian Lillard wanted. He is in a way that is unique, maybe shared by a handful of other great players in the league. He loves narrative. I haven't asked him, but I know without asking him, Dame wanted to play the Warriors, not the Rockets. Not only because he grew up within a couple miles of Oracle and it's the final games they'll play in that stadium in Oakland before moving to the Chase Center Palace in San Francisco. But because Damien Lillard wants to take down the champs. He wants to slay the king. To uh, use a Game of Thrones reference for all y'all out there. Dame wanted this matchup. I have no doubt about it. And I think he's had some pretty good games in Oakland. I think he can bounce back and have a series, at least shooting-wise, that looks more akin to what he did in round one. Now he's going to get a ton of attention. He's going to need CJ to be really good. He's going to need the guys I mentioned, the sort of switchier athletic group that the Blazers have to be better. Afrukamu can't stink again in this series, and the Blazers make it competitive. Moharkless probably has to make some outside shots to make this one competitive. And they probably need Rodney Hood to be healthy. We won't know his status. I mean, depending on when you listen to this on Monday, you might we might know more about Rodney Hood. But but as of right now, we don't know anything other than a hyperextended knee. 
He'll probably get an MRI and meet with trainers on Monday in Oakland if he didn't already do it Sunday evening. I don't want to say the Blazers don't have a chance because I thought they would probably lose this game seven in Denver. I thought they might lose round one against OKC. They have proved me wrong at every turn. So why would I say now against the champs that this is for sure over? I have to know better by now. This team has defied every expectation, mine and virtually everyone else's out there. And this has just been a really fun ride, so I don't want to murder it on the Sunday night by telling you that they can't beat the Warriors. What I'll say is this will be their toughest test yet. Playing against the champs who look like the champs, even if they don't really look like the champs. You know what I'm saying? Should be a lot of fun. I'll talk to you before this one gets started. Appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. Talk to you all soon.